morning, everyone. Um, we've got two um, Bible readings this morning. The first one is from Matthew chapter 28. And we're reading from verse 16 to the end. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our second reading is from Daniel chapter 7. We're reading from verse 10. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. And I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain. I think I'm reading the wrong. Am I reading the wrong verse? All right. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the basing flyer. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Well, thank you, Esther, and that is quite a vivid, um, a vivid passage, and um, we'll come to it, the picture of God and his glory, uh, and, and um, you know, what are we to make of that, but we'll get to that. Uh, it's wonderful to be with you this morning, thank you so much, Colin, for the invitation, and I'm really excited about the prospect of us developing this partnership with the Purdies, and I really hope that the, there will be a great encouragement to you, that it will help us to lift our horizons to, to what God is doing in other parts of the world uh, because um, it's, God's work is expansive, it's exciting and I hope that you are energised and encouraged by that over coming years. All right, well, let me begin with prayer. Our Father, we do just pray that as we look at these passages of Scripture and we recall what Christ said to his disciples, uh, that you would help us to really reflect and go deeply uh, into this and what it means for us as a church and as individuals. Uh, Please be with us by your spirit, we pray. Uh, Show us what we need to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the Purdy's, there's, you know, this little family of, uh, you know, six and uh, four kids, uh, quite young. Who would become a missionary? I mean, I don't know if it's something that you've been uh, planning or thinking of, throughout your life. I am taking uh, volunteers this morning, if anyone would like to become a a missionary. My business cards are sitting on the table, uh, ready for you to grab one and get in touch with me. Uh, There are big costs involved, I should tell you. Uh, You would likely lose connections with key relationships, family, friends and church. 
you'll have, you'll, there'd be, there'll still be connections, but it just won't be the same. Uh, you'll likely also lose career prospects. Uh, if, if you're single, you may have to sacrifice marriage opportunities. If you're married, the children's schooling opportunities might be compromised. Um, there are lifestyle costs in different parts of the world for you to weigh up. Maybe that, the question of unreliable utilities. How would you feel if the electricity is only on every second day, for example? Uh, what, what about compromised health, compromised health care? Uh, what are the Western comforts that you really love and that you really wouldn't want to go without? Because there might be some of them that you have to go without. And, of course, there's the other thing, that if you're going to cross cultures, which is what global mission is all about, crossing cultures you are going to be continually feeling silly because you're going to continually make mistakes. You're going to break the cultural no-nos and you've just got to keep going. So who would become a missionary? Well, it's actually become even more complicated during COVID, as I'm sure you can imagine. Mike and Karen Rowe went to uh, South Africa. Uh, They'd been in Namibia for a few years, um, uh, just north of South Africa, and they've gone to George Whitfield College and the, the idea was to go and train pastors there. Similar sort of work to what the Purdies are hoping to do but across the African continent. But within just a few weeks of being in Cape Town, they were in lockdown uh, for basically about 12 months. And can you imagine how hard that was for the kids? Getting to, they, they, they sort of land in this new country and they couldn't meet anyone. Who, who do you talk to? Who do you... Who do you connect with? Because you can't go out. And that's been really hard. And of course, in South Africa, there's been the Black Lives Matter movement as well. It's really hit very hard uh, there. And in more recent times, uh, riots as well, as you may be aware. Or Francis Cook, who actually has been 32 years a missionary, also working in Santiago in Chile. Long-term trooper for Jesus. She managed to break her limbs during COVID as well. And she's locked down with and, and immobilised simultaneously. Uh, and yet she's stuck to it, despite the personal costs and the frustrations. Uh, who would become a missionary? Well, in a moment, I'm going to read Christ's great commission to his disciples. And it's a passage that challenges us, asks us to entrust our lives to Jesus. To humble ourselves before him and to give our lives in devoted service to him. Are you up for the challenge? Are you willing to do this? Whatever it should look like. Is Jesus worthy of your complete devotion? And is he able to carry through with the plan? So as I reread this, two of the three of these verses, Matthew 28, have a listen for the four alls in the passage, because it turns out Jesus is speaking in very dramatic language. It's kind of everything kind of language. So notice the time that the, the idea of all is mentioned, there's four times. So he's in Galilee, it's after the resurrection from the dead, and, he, and the disciples come to him and, they, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I have commanded. It might say everything in your passage, same thing. And surely I'm with you always, the four alls. So let's think about those briefly. The first all, all authority 
has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth. It's an interesting thing to say about yourself, isn't it? Um, you know, someone says that to you in the street, you, you're probably thinking that something's not quite right. All authority means I am completely in charge of you and everyone else. Whatever I say, you must do. Now, Aussies don't like authority, uh, especially if we have a European background, perhaps. You know, we don't like to be told what to do. Maybe it's our convict background. We're just kind of rebels at heart or something. No, I think it's just human. We Actually, we just don't like um, anyone to tell us what to do. Whatever your background, whether you moved here or grew up here, whether you're from the east or the west, whether you're wealthy or poor, whether you're powerful classes or vulnerable classes, Jesus challenges us by telling us that he has all authority. But what's that mean? I mean, think about it. Can someone actually have all authority? Does it make sense for someone to say, I have all authority? And to answer this question, I think we have to look at the Bible's view of history. History. I don't know if you enjoyed history at school. I did, but I know that I was probably uh, in the minority. Uh, According to the writers of the Bible, though, history is not just a sequence of random events that have happened in the past, maybe interesting, maybe boring. According to the Bible, history is not a cycle of birth and rebirth. According to the Bible, history was initiated intentionally and it's moving towards a goal. It's moving towards the fulfillment of a plan. So I, I know that you're looking for some kind of purpose in life, regardless of the stage of life. You sort of you, you, you want to know who am I and what am I here for? Well, the idea of purpose is actually written into the very fabric of the universe because when God created, he created it with a purpose. And so we have meaning for our lives because we are looped into this This plan that God has for the universe. And it's an extraordinary plan. His plan is for human flourishing through reconciliation with him and resurrection so that we might see and enjoy his glory forever. He knows what it will take for us to flourish And his plan for the universe is all about making that happen. Perfect, eternal harmony restored between the creator and the creation such that the creation sees who the creator is for who he truly is. Now, how's he doing this? Well, the plan all revolves around one particular human being. And the reason for that is that the rest of us have failed in in doing what we're supposed to do as humans. And yet he has this plan to revolve, to show and to display uh, and to to bring things about through this one particular human being. In the Old Testament, there are numerous hints of this glorious human being to come. The seed of Abraham, the descendant of David, there's lots and lots of them. But as we saw today in Daniel, the son of man. And Jesus uses this word to describe himself quite a bit. But just have a listen again to some of these ideas in Daniel chapter 7. It's this rather extraordinary, vivid picture of God's glory. And right in the middle 
of God's glory, there's this figure, one like a son of man, says Daniel. It's a person, but obviously a unique person. And it it says, Daniel's vision, the son of man approached the ancient of days, God, and was led into his presence. And he was given authority, interesting word, and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped this son of man. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed, says the prophecy in Daniel about the Son of Man. Now, I wonder if we can see why Jesus refers to him so so often as the Son of Man. But this is the glimpse of the map of human history, that there will be a human who will come, who will be given all of God's authority. So it's not just sort of self-assumed authority. It's not just that he did some amazing tricks. It's that he is given God's authority. And everyone around the world, according to this uh, prophecy, will acknowledge his authority and bow before him, no matter what nation they come from, according to the prophecy. And this authority will never be taken away from the Son of Man, ever, according to the the promise of the Old Testament. And Jesus is standing there before the disciples after his resurrection, and he's saying, this is me. It's happened. God's plan is happening. I am the son of man, not just any old bloke. I am this son of man with all of God's authority. The second all, and we'll go through the others a bit more quickly. The second all, go and make disciples of all nations. And so there's a task Given to Jesus' disciples, and you and I have have this role in fulfilling God's plan, disciples are to make more disciples. Because as we look around the world, we often do not see signs of Jesus' authority over all things. What do we see? We see signs of disregard of Christ. Blatant disobedience to him, rejoicing in disobedience to him, defiance of him, using his name as a swear word. Is there some problem then with Jesus' authority? Well, no, it's just the plan isn't finished yet. There is a task still to be completed. We, according to Jesus, this son of man with all authority, we are to go and make disciples among all the nations. He says this is for the whole world. Not just for our church, not just for the southern suburbs of Adelaide, not just for Australians, not just for white people, not just for people who are asking for it. (laughs) This is for every nation on the earth. We tell others about him because he fulfills their humanity too. Their purpose, their hopes, and he reconciles them to God too, no matter the colour of their skin, the complexities of their culture, or the obscurity of their language. It doesn't matter. We do this across cultures and across national borders because this is a gift for all the nations to receive. If Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, then what do we do? We try to think of ways that we can obey 
his command. Otherwise, the question really is, do we really think he has this authority over us? I mean, wouldn't it be terrible if in calling ourselves Christians, Christians, that we didn't think we actually needed to obey Christ? No, we should be asking, which cultures, Lord? Which borders? And so the third all, then, teaching them to obey all I have commanded, Jesus says. That is, when we come to understand Jesus' authority over all things, we realise that it is actually a good authority and a loving authority intended for the good of those that we call to obey him. Our our obedience actually comes from our desire and our trust in him, that anything he demands is demanded of us in love. This is not authoritarian or totalitarian or dictatorial. This is the command of the one who laid his life down for us. He poured himself out at the cross. He breathed his last breath, if you like, for us so that we might flourish and we believe that we can only flourish in him. So what does it mean then for us to obey all that Jesus commanded? Well, I mean, it's a, probably a whole of life thing, isn't it? I mean, it's not a bad place to start is the Great Commission because I, I think we find that one actually quite hard. But surely we're not to be selective about which commands we obey. What, he's got here, what he brings for us here, I think, is a, a picture of how we're to read the scriptures. We search the Bible for what God has said and taught. And it's not just the Gospels and not just the bits in red, uh, but all the books of the New Testament. Not just because they're a great read, but because the apostles who wrote them were authorised by Jesus to bear witness to him, told to write down and bear witness. And so we read them and we we obey them. But what about the Old Testament? Well, Jesus himself sat under the authority of the Old Testament. And so the whole Bible, in a sense, is Jesus' authority for us to read and heed. And so we, we seek to obey him. He is our Lord We bow and we say, Lord, what is your will, even in the difficult bits or the bits that stick out and poke at our, where we have to poke our culture? The fourth all, I'm with you always. And so just a reminder that Jesus' last words to his disciples are not bossy, but comforting. He promises that he is with us for our protection, for our provision. One of my good friends has named his daughter Emmanuel. That's a great name, isn't it? Her name means God with us. Jesus was, of course, Emmanuel, God with us on the planet. But now that he has ascended, we have his spirit, God with us. Jesus promised never to leave us, never to forsake us, 
not to fend in the dark on our own, but to be with us. If you have turned from your sin and you've put your trust in this man, Christ, then you have salvation. And what comes with that is God's Spirit, His presence with you in your life for every day, for everything that happens. He is with you. What a saviour. What a beautiful kind of authority. The boss looks after his kids. This is so good, isn't it? To embrace the one of all authority who loves you and is with you and wants to care for you and provide for you and protect you. And so what have you got to be afraid of in becoming a missionary? Crossing cultures and borders for Jesus is hard and may cost us greatly. But if Christ is living in us, protecting us and providing for us, we will endure all things. Paul says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So conclusion then, Christians go wherever Jesus sends them. I work for CMS, Church Missionary Society. We are a global mission agency, but we don't send people on mission, do we? Who sends people on mission? Jesus Christ. We've just read it. Mission comes from him. He calls every Christian, not just the first disciples and not just the super spiros, to go and make disciples among all the nations. Chuck Swindoll said, Whatever we do, we must not treat the Great Commission like it is the Great Suggestion. You don't need to wait for a special dream or a transcendent experience. You've already been recruited by Jesus for mission and his mission is global. But how? I wonder if that's the question you're asking. You know, do I have to go overseas? Um, is, that, is, that the way, is that the only way I can obey this? Well, the answer is no and yes. The opportunity to make disciples is all around us. Friends, family, colleagues, neighbours. And yet... If they live in Australia, they have the gospel within arm's reach. At any time, if they want to, they can reach out and find a Bible, read it in their own language, find a church, find a Christian. They may not be believers, but they are not unreached. But there are billions, as I said earlier, billions of people living in unreached people groups with no chance, humanly speaking, of hearing about Christ unless someone from a different culture goes and breaks through those cultural barriers, invests their life in some way in learning those cultures and learning those languages and takes the life-giving word of Jesus to them. A quarter of the population of the world has less than 0.1% Christian in it. It's just teeny, statistically insignificant. So perhaps some of you could go overseas or some of you know a friend or a family member and you think, you know, I really wanted them to grow up and do medicine and, you know, make lots of money and be, have a happy family here in Adelaide or, I don't know, or whatever it is, your, your aspiration for your family or for yourself... 
Maybe you speak another language, maybe you have cross-cultural experience, maybe you have a foreign passport, maybe you're at a suitable life stage. This is not just for young people. Maybe this could be you at some point. As I said, come and chat to me. Um, but we can't all be missionaries overseas. I don't know if you're waiting for me to say that, but it's true. We, we can't all do it. And even if we could, none of us could go to all the nations at the same time or even sequentially. It's not going to work. How do we then as a church obey Christ in this? And the answer is in some ways very simple. The answer is partnership. We partner with missionaries in various parts of the world. It's just they've got to be real partnerships, not just kind of labels, not just things that we put on our website or whatever. This church is committing to partner with the Purdy family as they head to Chile to train up pastors and church leaders. So what can that partnership look like? Well, partnership involves prayer. And so that will happen from the platform up here. Uh, But it should and could also happen in your own devotions or in your own small groups. Partnership involves care. That is learning about the context. Learn about Chile, Santiago. Learn about the, the, the church and the evangelism that's happened there, the growth in the church. Learn about the specific needs of the Purdy's, their kids, get their birthday, you know, birth dates and remember to send them messages or e-cards or whatever it is. There are plenty of ways that you can partner through care. Partnership involves giving because believe it or not, they don't just get, the, they don't just get to go for free. And the church in Chile can't afford to pay them and can't afford to fly them over. So it's up to their churches to do that. And, and that needs to come from our own pockets. We are the church. Our possessions are at his disposal. And so my question to you is, will you, when they come, or, or in advance of their coming and inviting you, but will you partner with a missionary by praying and caring and giving. Will you partner with Malcolm and Ainsley when they come and visit? And then you can get their monthly prayer points directly to your inbox and you can use your own funds directly in Jesus' mission. CMS suggests $35 a month. It really doesn't matter though how much you give. That's entirely between you and God, whatever you have available how you get involved in Christ's mission is up to you. But partnership is how we do it. Just Google CMS S-A-N-T and click on Partner with Missionaries or I've got the cards here today, you can take one, it's got the info on it. So to finish, what is a Christian? A Christian, as we know, is a person saved by Christ for serving Christ, glorifying God But in this great commission that we've reflected on this morning, Jesus said that he wants his church to send missionaries and he wants them to send them to all the nations. And so we go wherever Jesus sends us and we partner with those who cross cultures and cross borders in the name of Christ. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, we we stand humbly before Christ, the one with authority over all of heaven and earth. This Son of Man to whom you gave all 
your authority. And uh, we stand with him. Uh, he is our saviour and he is our Lord. Uh, Father, please, by your spirit, give us what we need to follow him in our lives and to uh, obey his commands. We thank you for this command uh, of the Great Commission. And we realise that it's a command that is given in love because your gift is a gift for all the nations, for people in, in the unreached corners of this earth. Our prayer, Lord, is that you would use us and use churches all across Adelaide and South Australia and the rest of Australia, churches all across the world. Please use your people to reach the unreached. We pray for those in countries where there are not Christians, that you would send Christians to them. We pray for those in countries where there are new Christians who don't have uh, leaders well trained. We pray that you would send leaders and send trainers of leaders to those countries. And as we think about ourselves, we just pray that you would use us in whatever way our experience and gifts might allow us. Help us as a church to work uh, tirelessly for the mission that Christ has given us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John's going to continue to lead us in prayer.